What's going on, NFL fans? Hopefully you've recovered from your food coma because it's time to get up and listen to the NFL All-32 podcast. It is the week 14 preview. We've only got a couple weeks left in the regular season, and every game is critical. David Hassagan here with the czar of the playbook, Emery Hunt. Troy Anthony and Alex Marinoni. How was everybody's Thanksgiving? Everybody survive? Everybody, uh... It was lovely, lovely. <laughs> you and your ham. Why are you going to... Still, the ham-turkey debate still does not make any sense to me, although the fried turkey certainly makes up for it there for Emery uh, in his Thanksgiving tradition. We got to start with the Thanksgiving Day games, though, because talk about some weirdness. Let's start with Chicago versus Detroit. This was always going to be a bad matchup before we figured out that Oh, wait, David Blau is going to be the starting quarterback? What's he going to do? He puts up a pretty darn good game, but the Lions figure out another way to lose on Thanksgiving. Detroit gets the win 24-20 and quietly sit at 6-6. Six and six. feel like this game was three weeks ago uh, about being on Thursday. Uh, but great showing for David Blau, staying ready, getting ready, yeah. getting the start, playing well. But Chicago, you, you had to feel happy for Trubisky. He had a bad start to the day. But turned it on and got over 300 yards for the first time in 16 games. Crazy. Unbelievable for Trubisky. Moving on to the second game on Thanksgiving. Troy, you were actually awake for this one. Bill's <laughs> taking on the Cowboys. The trend continues. Dallas plays a team that's above 500. They lose to the team that's above 500. Bills get the win 26-15 in Big D on Thanksgiving. Bills are 9-3 to start the season for the first time since 1996. Yeah, once again, Dallas can't get it done. Uh, the beginning of this game, I mean, they went down and scored the touchdown. You thought that they would have this one in hand, and then they just went stagnant for quarters at a time. And Buffalo Bill punted the first two drives. After that, they were rolling. Uh, Dak had a couple of bad turnovers, that pick and then the fumble. But Josh Allen, you've seen that one play where the fourth, the that QB fourth down sneak. play, the QB, oops, oh, crap. Okay, let me pick up the ball. Now I'm going to sneak and that run through three people. Mode. That was beast mode. Big ups to <laughs> Allen for that one. Buffalo Bills improved to 9-3. and three. On to the third game from Thanksgiving, the Saints taking on the Falcons. First ticket has been punched to the playoffs, and it belongs to New Orleans. 26-18 over Atlanta. Saints go to 10-2. and two. What else can we say? They're the kings of this division. Absolutely. They just dominated this division so far this year. Helps that Cam Newton wasn't a part of this division this season. Um, but this game was the Taysom Hill show. Taysom Hill pretty much did, <laughs> pretty much put up a stat in every single stat category you could have. Um, the Saints revenge from their uh, from their previous loss to the Falcons and uh, and just took care of business. They uh, can't feel the onside kick for some reason, but it, um, <laughs> that's one thing they should probably sure up come playoff time. But other than that, it was a pretty good, solid game for them. Moving into the Sunday action, potentially a Super Bowl preview. That's what some people were calling this one. 49ers taking on the Ravens. The conditions were absolutely awful, as there were a lot of places in the country on Sunday. This was a defensive slugfest. Justin Tucker hits a 49-yard field goal as time expires to give the Ravens the win. 20-17, to both teams now at 10-2. and Yeah, this was a game I felt like, you know, I want to see this game again on a neutral site, better conditions. Uh, in a dome to where you don't have one team saying the weather played a role in this because I thought the Ravens were going to play their game regardless. That's their game, range, you know, sleet or snow or sunshine, and they did a great job in dominating San Francisco. Meanwhile, the Redskins, all of a sudden, there's a little bit of glimmer of hope. They defeated the Panthers 29-21 on the road. Redskins with back-to-back wins, and it's after Dwayne Haskins takes over as the first-time starter. That's going to be a theme around here in this podcast, folks. It's going to be quarterback play because we've had a whole bunch to talk about, but what a game for the Redskins. Yeah, this was a huge win for them. I would have never thought that they would have pulled this one out, but they did, and they did it through the running game. Uh, AP was close. He got 99 yards. Darius Geis did go over 100 with 100 29 and two touchdowns solid ground game against the stout panthers defense alex i'm happy this game fell to you yeah <laughs> bengals 22 new york jets six post-mortem mr marinoni the floor is yours listen i could wish i could tell you i was surprised if you watched our best bet segment um on the game plus network you would have saw that when dalton was named the starting quarterback i told you the best bet would be for them to cover that spread probably should have won you more money until you take the money line but i wouldn't be that crazy um, what we're learning week in and week out is that Adam Gase can't play from behind. He can play with the lead, and he seems to do an okay job calling a game when he's got the lead, but he cannot adjust when his team's behind. Did not help that this may be the worst offensive line I've ever seen in, on an NFL field. Ouch. Moving on now, a big divisional game between the Titans and the Colts. Special teams coming up clutch for Tennessee, not to mention some decent quarterback play from Ryan Tannehill. 
31-17 Tennessee. All of a sudden, the Titans, who about a month ago looked dead in the water, are at 7-5 and in control of this division. Yeah, and also third straight game for Derrick Henry going over 100 yards. This dude is on fire right now and quietly has posted back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons. So shout-out to them. They're winning in every facet, offense, defense, and special teams. A battle in the Sunshine State. Buccaneers taking on the Jaguars. We know Jag- the Jags were, you know, struggling a bit. They had to go back to Gardner Minshew in this one. But the Tampa Bay defense, five, cons- five back-to-back games with five-plus sacks. That's the first time they've done that since 2004. James Winston Kings control control the ball enough. They win 28-11. Yeah, that defense balled out in this one. And guess what? Jameis didn't throw any picks. He did have one fumble, but he didn't consistently turn it over like we know Jameis can do. And they scored the two touchdowns on the ground. But the big story in this one is Gardner Minshew coming back into the game. Their big uh, signing and free agent, Nick Foles, got pulled after he was doing horrendous 7-14, of 14, 93 yards, uh, uh, interception, and he fumbled twice. And he is officially benched Gardner Minshew, it sounds like, will start for the rest of the season, barring injury. Uh, one of the old rivalries, the Chiefs taking on the Raiders. Well, the Kansas City Chiefs showed up. They are back from what they were last year. They went 40-9. to Absolute dominance from Kansas City at Arrowhead in this one. Yeah, it was a little bit of that, that they're back. And I think we've seen a little bit of what Oakland really is. I think uh, Oakland had a nice run at one point and uh, back-to-back really bad blowouts for this Oakland Raiders team, just kind of showing that they're not ready. The AFC East is quickly ruining the NFC East this season. You've had the Jets knocking off three teams in the division. Buffalo knocks off Dallas. Here you go, Philadelphia. The division is all yours. And then Miami comes up and says, not so fast, my friend, and beat the Eagles 37-31 in a back-and-forth contest. Really entertaining ball game, but the Eagles can't deal with success. I didn't know this was the most points the Dolphins scored in the game since 2015. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's ridiculous. Also, it's magic. The <laughs> Dolphins were they were down like 14 points in this ball game, and it looked like the Eagles were just gonna roll Miami. And they not only came back, but it's funny they were getting blown out, came back and blew the Eagles out, and then the Eagles started to come back and make it a game. And quietly, the hell Mary almost was caught yep. uh, by the Eagles off the you know, carom of another Dolphins receiver, but uh, DB. So shout out to the Dolphins, man. 37 points on that Eagles defense is impressive. Moving on to the Meadowlands. It was some really nasty weather conditions. We had snow, we had sleet, we had rain. And then we had the Green Bay Packers saying, eh, this is a nice little flurry. And they win 31-13. Uh, Packers 3-0 and following a loss this season. That's going to be good coming into the playoffs. Yeah, we knew that. Well, I knew that the Packers were going to trounce the Giants in this one. <laughs> um, after that first touchdown drive from the Packers, uh, Rodgers to Adams, uh, the Giants drive down and get the touchdown. You think maybe this is going to be a game? It wasn't. The Packers went on to roll. Rodgers throwing four touchdowns. And Devontae Adams, that one touchdown in the uh, back of the end zone, embarrassed the Giants completely embarrassed the Giants. Meanwhile, the Rams taking on the Cardinals. Looked like the two teams were going in different directions. The Rams were kind of downtrending. Cardinals were moving on the way up. Don't listen to trends. Rams win 34-7. to Robert Woods with a huge game, 172 yards receiving. Yeah, this is the Rams team we've been waiting for all year. The Rams team that was lighting the world on fire last year. Uh, they finally get back into their style of football. And a uh, really rough one uh, for Kyler Murray. But mainly that, that Rams defense was just hound, hounding this, uh, this team all day. Is there any way that the, San- the Los Angeles Chargers have not won a- lost a game this year? Like, it, they've, they've lost in every way fathomable. And they did again this past week. They lose to the Broncos 23-20. McManus with a 53-yarder as time expired. It might be time for some changes for the Bolts. What changes? I mean everywhere because they're losing in any way fashion. They still have a plus point differential at this point with 4-8 and eight record. Yeah, they're not a bad football team. It's just a, a series of unfortunate situations. I thought that was a bogus pass interference call in that situation against uh, the defensive backs. Uh, first of all, you, you know, you don't reward quarterbacks for throwing terrible passes, and that's what happens with pass interference calls. You know, you, they hit the DB in the back, and they call, oh, pass interference. Like, nah, it was a terrible throw. Um, so, Chargers lose again. They're talking about benching Phillip Rivers. I don't know. We'll get into the, a lot of the quarterback discussions here, but shout-out to Drew Locke getting his first win as an uh, NFL starter. I was screaming at the TV when they threw that flag. Like, in no case scenario do you throw that flag. That was ridiculous. That, that was like, hey, we're trying to get a pass interference call. 
and he gave it to him. Mm-hmm. It was just bizarre. <laughs> Meanwhile, in Pittsburgh, the genius, the genius continues to work. That is Mike Tomlin. They go to Devlin Hodges as the starter. They bench Mason Rudolph. Going up against Cleveland at what was going to be a very tense atmosphere. And Duck Hodges gets the win, 20-13 to over Cleveland. Steelers are now 7-5. and what a, tr- what a turnaround. Yeah, Steelers get a little bit of a revenge in this one, right? I mean, no Connor, no Juju, and still get the W. And James Washington had a nice touchdown yeah. grab in this one. Moving on to the Sunday night game, Patriots taking on the Texans. We know the one thing that gives the Patriots trouble is a dual-threat quarterback. And, Troy, as you mentioned before we came on air here, they might have looked at a little bit of game film from the Baltimore Ravens because it certainly looked like them out there. The Texans get the win 28-22. First win against the Pats since 2009. Huge one for Houston. Yeah, Bill O'Brien and company came ready for this game, and uh, and Deshaun Watson had his one of his spectacular moments. This was his uh, this big stage, and he answered the bell. Um, a little trickery, too. Loved the De- DeAndre Hopkins pass or yes. whatever that was. Trouble, too. Uh, <laughs> Watson for the touchdown. Just a great all-around game. This game actually was wasn't even that close in my opinion until the very end when the Patriots made it a game but this was really handled by the Texans all game and finally Monday night football Seahawks taking on the Vikings if there's one thing we know about Kirk Cousins he's good most of the time but then primetime happens and he just shuts off Seahawks get this win it was a close game good ball game 37 to 30 but he's 0 and 8 now on Monday night Seattle is 10 and 2 right now and you still feel as though you don't trust their offense, mm. you know. And yeah. even though Russell Wilson is in the MVP running, it feels like they really don't have any plays. It's like they uh, Russell Wilson drops back, holds the ball, scrambles around a little bit, finds somebody breaking free open, and they run the ball up the middle to Chris Carson. It's like they have literally the technical playbook, but it's been working for them. Um, and their defense, I worry about their defense as well. So this is a 10-2 and two team. Just like the other ten and two team in their division, that makes you go, hmm. I don't know about what was it like maybe four or five weeks ago. Mm. I said Seattle was going to take this division. Someone's a non-believer over there in the Princeton sweatshirt, but I had know. I had Seattle winning the division <laughs> in the in preseason. Yeah, okay. fair enough, fair enough. Anybody else have any other takes from this past week besides Gay should be fired? <laughs> <laughs> I did have the Bills as my underrated team, so I'm I'm just gonna wear that on my hat. I was Buffalo still has a chance to win this division. I don't think a lot of people are giving them a chance to, but but they, I, also, I also said the Bears are going to the Super Bowl, so you know. There he is. And this is why you want was supposed to take his step forward again this year. Oh man! And this is why, folks, you want to listen back on the other NFL All Thirty Two podcasts on SoundCloud or iTunes to figure out just how right or wrong we were from week to week. I mean, let's get into the big discussion. There's only going to be one big topic here, folks, because we can expand on this all day long. And we know the quarterback position gets a lot of the credit most of the time. They are the superstars. They are the MVPs. They are the Heismans. But this year has been a little bit bizarre because not only have you seen big names go down, you've seen rookies emerge. You've seen young guns finally getting their chance. You've seen undrafted rookies coming in on Thanksgiving Day for Detroit and nearly getting a victory. Um, you've kind of seen a changing of the guard. And so we're going to kind of break down the state of the quarterback position in the NFL right now. Uh, we've got a whole bunch of different categories here. Emery, being our resident expert, is going to break this down for us and where he has all of the quarterbacks, all about 60 or 70 of them that have started a game this year, and where he puts them in these categories. Well, it's not it's not a sole discussion. It'll be like a, you know, Right, panel. It, we're yeah. all talking about it, but we got to start with these rookie quarterbacks because Troy brought up a good point about the young QB revolution. And you know, when you're talking about the young quarterbacks, we're just going to start with the the rookies that have played significant amounts of snaps in this season. And we've seen nine rookies start games uh, this year, and ten if you want to not really start, but ten if you count um, Jared Stidham for New England. Playing some, True. you know, in yep. this in this season through two uh, through four passes, uh, so you've seen a lot of rookies uh, jump in and, and play, and it's just been interesting to see. So, talking about these rookies, you're talking about Dwayne Haskins, Daniel Jones, Devlin Hodges, undrafted, Kyler Murray, Kyler Murray, Drew Locke, Ryan Finley, David Blau, you know, Gardner Minshew, um, undrafted as well. I don't know he was a six round pick. I'm sorry. Out of those quarterbacks in their situations, and it's so early, which one 
are you guys what situation are you most comfortable with okay i we, we have to separate the three i i feel the like first the, rounders? the first you got to separate your first rounders here because the expectations are different exactly i mean kyler murray right now he's balling out for the cardinals clingsbury has that offense rocking um he, him, he looks like he's in a great situation. Daniel Jones, turnover monster for the New York Giants right now. He's two and eight since taking over the starting job. That's a huge work in progress. Uh, Dwayne Haskins, now he was rips off two wins in a row for the Washington Redskins. That's going to be a huge project as well. Not not saying his game is going to be a huge project, but that team as a whole. So those three, the first round picks, I got to put them to the to the side a little bit and talk about these other guys who kind of came out of nowhere. And as the seasons go along, and it's like you got to open up your eyes to them. And the first person in my mind is Gardner Minshew. They're talking about the Minshew magic from early in the season, yeah. and then this week. Their money man in Foles signed to the what was it eighty eight million dollars in the off season yeah, gets benched crazy. for a rookie to come back like the rookie is back in play for Jacksonville and he didn't look bad when he came back into the game he led them down there twice led them down to the red zone twice granted the second time around he did throw the interception but for a rookie getting thrown into action as early as he did and getting the call back after the veteran is struggling that's huge. I would, I mean, I'm, I would agree with that to a point. I think there's a lot less pressure on Minshew than any of the first rounders. Like, yeah, obviously you've got a big money man in Foles that people want to see play, but I think he's kind of a job. It, it's a smaller market team. You know, it's kind of a job up for up for grabs at this point, and that's why I like the situation actually that Devlin Hodges is in, because Ben Roethlisberger. This is the first time he's had a significant injury where he's been out an extended length of time. He's not going to get any older. He's part of one of these, you know, the older generation quarterbacks, which we'll talk about in a bit. But there's no expectations right now in Pittsburgh because there's so much rebuilding going on. They've lost all their major weapons. They've had so many injuries. Your only competition, realistically, right now is Mason Rudolph. So if I'm Devlin Hodges, as a, in terms of just rookies, obviously we'll talk about Rudolph in a second, but I like the situation he's in because he can just play his game. Just go out there and play your game and you'll earn that spot. At this point, see my thing was with that is that next season when Ben Ben when Big Ben does come back, that's Big Ben's job. No, absolutely, it's Big Ben's job. But if you're talking about a, a stable situation for a rookie, you I think he can easily win that second spot, the QB two, and then you're right yeah. there just in case Big Ben goes down again, which yeah, that's is a possibility. Yeah, like both the guys, both the guys you mentioned between Minshew and um, and we said with Hodges, but I think I I like the spot that Drew Locke's in right now. Drew Locke, um, right now, I don't you don't. I don't think Flacco is going to be taking another snap ever again in for the um, for the Broncos. Possibly again in the NFL for all it's all said and done. Um, but when you have a guy like Drew Locke, who was a highly regarded pick and a guy that they saw as their future, he came in, looked good. I know it's only week one, so it's hard to really put tape out there. We've seen Hodges for a few weeks. We've seen uh, Minshew for the first half of the season. Um, but now with Locke and him looking the way he looked. This is a, a situation where you don't really have competition over there in uh, in uh, in Denver, and um, and they have a pretty solid defense. So you're yeah. set in a situation, and you have a guy in Cortland Sutton that's really starting to emerge now. So you have a true number one, and you have a running game. That's a team that if the quarterback play can step up and be better than what Flacco was this year, you're talking about a team that might be around 500 right now. Yeah, you brought up a good point with with Locke. If you look at uh, what they have around them, I think you can make a case for Locke having a good complement of weapons. He talked about Sutton. They have Hamilton. They have three good tight ends. And Fant they drafted this year. You know, Fumagalli from Wisconsin. Still got Jake Butt on IR if he's ever healthy. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, and they got the, the two-headed monster in the backfield that they can run the football with. So, and he got the, what, the second highest paid fullback in the league, too? Hey. Um, so, uh, who's also on IR. So, they got weapons. You're right. And their defense is great. You could also make a case for, you know, Pittsburgh's receiving core went healthy. Uh, Johnson looked good as a rookie. Juju yep. Smith-Schuster is good. Uh, tight end is still questionable, in my opinion. They're still trying to find that guy to replace Heath Miller that retired, what, years five ago. years ago? You, you know yeah. what I'm saying? So, um, Washington's skill players look pretty good if they can stay healthy. You're talking about mainly about the backfield with Geis. Bryce Love is on IR. Uh, you see the rookie receivers starting to step up in McLaurin and Harmon. Um, you hope that can continue to happen. They have no tight ends. Uh, I worry about the Giants' skill players outside of Saquon Barkley. Um, and Finley, 
you know, or you know, the adult, uh, the Bengals. When you talk about um, weapons, Tyler Boyd, Joe Mixon, um, AJ Green, if they keep him and you know sign him and, and keep him happy, um, or, or and healthy and healthy, yeah. or Ross, if he's ever healthy, yeah, they're a legitimate threat. So I think that is also a big reason why you see these guys uh, are playing well. Um, so I'm, I'm excited about this this rookie class. I think this was a really good class. Hodges won his first two starts, yeah. you know, uh, so they trust him with the game plan. Kyler Murray's gotten better week to week, week mm-hmm. to week, and you you figured that offense will get better. Um, yeah, you know, so I think this 2018 class, both drafted and undrafted, kind of stepped in and did did their thing. Each one has shown flashes of of success. You know, when you look at the first year starters now, we're, and we're talking about first year guys that are. Not rookies, but you can kind of count them as rookies. They're first-year starters. They've been backups for a year or so. Right. and Or they're young guys. Maybe they were drafted a year prior, like Mason Rudolph, uh, Luke Falk, and, and uh, Kyle Allen, who was the Gardner Minshew of Carolina. Uh, what, what are you guys' take on those QBs? Do you see these first-year players being someone that, you know, maybe a team that's QB desperate will say, hey, we can get this guy, and he could be a stopgap starter. Or these guys are just kind of QB twos in the in in disguise. I mean, I'll be honest. I don't think Mason Rudolph has a future in this league. To be perfectly honest with you, he's shown he's a, he's shown that he's scared to throw the football. Period. How can you have a quarterback that's scared to throw the football? I think if he gets out of Pittsburgh, he may be able to develop a lot more because I think with the whole situation, what's happened last, especially the last few weeks, mm-hmm. it seems to be toxic around him. Um, whether that's just he didn't vibe with the city or didn't vibe with the locker room, whatever that happens to be. I, I think he's a serviceable quarterback, to be honest with you, but I don't think he has the qualities to be a starter at any point in his career at a consistent level. So I think if he gets out of, you know, I could see him maybe, I think Detroit would probably like him right now as a backup. You know, behind David Plow, we'd leave it, you know, crazy enough. Yeah, know. But <laughs> behind David Plow, the fact that we had to say that. Shout sentence. out to Jeff Driscoll out there, balling too. But, uh, like, I think if he gets out of Pittsburgh, he can have a few years of a career as a backup somewhere along the line. But for me, he's not a starting quarterback at any point. Yeah, I had high hopes for Rudolph coming out of OK State, especially when his his main guy in Washington went to the same team as him. You thought that there would have been more success there, but I, I agree with you. I don't see him as a starting quarterback, maybe a two. Um, but I think Kyle Allen is the best, better quarterback out of these guys. He he definitely has potential. We saw when he took over for Cam earlier in the year that there was some there was something there with him. Definitely, yeah. whether you want to call it him managing the game, he was getting W's for them. But at some point, he regressed, and it seemed as though he didn't have any turnovers. And once he had that first turnover, it's been downhill since then. A good like four or five games in a row, I think it's been. Yeah, it's a mental game. For yeah, them. it's been downhill since then, and if he can get that turned around or in the offseason if they can work on that get him out of his own head I think that he could be promising I think because he's in his own head and to let him affect him now for the last few weeks that's what in my opinion makes him a QB2 um, and nothing more I think he he, maybe it's just the Carolina uniform but when I look at him I see a Matt Moore I see a guy who's going to come in in a pinch and finish the game for you get the job done that game maybe you know, another start or two, and then that's it. I think when he starts to become to take over as the guy, as we're seeing now, he is young and he's still working through a lot of things. But um, I, he looks like he's getting close to his ceiling, and if that's the case, he's a guy that you don't want starting more than four games in a row. Yeah, it was interesting because you talk about Kyle Allen, and uh, you know, you, you toss in Jeff Driscoll, who looked solid in his two starts. You know, this is his first year getting some extended look at as a starter. Uh, but when you talk about backup quarterbacks that came in for established starters and did well, you know, they may have opened doors for themselves to be starters next year. You're talking about Ryan Tannehill down there in Tennessee, Teddy Bridgewater in New Orleans are the major two. Chase Daniel, I guess you could throw in there, but he's he's a he's a he's comfortable in his like right. QB two role. Right. Yeah. He if he if you asked him, does he want to play? <laughs> he would probably say no. It's like, oh, I'm saying, like, you could look at Michael Vick's last year in Pittsburgh being the same way. He clearly just wanted to continue to get the NFL paycheck. And the Steelers QBs kept getting hurt. He's like, man, I am 
truly just trying to <laughs> slide into this Ryan Fitzpatrick backup life, you know, and just continue to get checks. There's uh, Josh McCown life, and you keep asking me to start. I'm not going to want to start to want to, you know, be a good backup. But out those two, let's just give it to Bridgewater and Tannehill. Who has helped themselves more, and do you see these guys as franchise starters? Considering they were considered to be franchise starters at their previous stops moving forward. Yeah. Uh, I was saying, I think Tannehill has helped himself better because yeah. I think Bridgewater, everyone's kind of seemed as the he's the better quarterback and he's held up. So I think that was his only question was, how bad was that knee and can he hold up? Everyone knows he could ball out. He was a Pro Bowl quarterback for two years over there in Minnesota. Um, Tannehill has helped himself because he's shown that if you get away from Miami and get away from Philbin and Gase, he might actually be something. And right now he's the reason. I'm not going to say he's the, the reason, but Mariota's quarterback in this team, they're down with Jacksonville, I think. And Tannehill right now has made them a contender and t- are a game out of the uh, first place of the AFC South. Yeah, 100% agree. I think everybody knows that Bridgewater was the heir apparent to to Breeze um, after, maybe after this season, maybe after the next season. But that's why they signed him. Uh, everybody knows that Bridgewater was up next. Tannehill, on the other hand, he had huge question marks coming into this season. He was... He was god awful in Miami. The Titans trade for him, and everybody's like, "Why? Why are you trading for Tannehill? <laughs> like, why?" But Tannehill gets thrown into it, and now he's ripping it off for the Titans. And I think that he's he's earning himself that starting job for next season. So, if you're Tennessee, you bypass a a, a rookie quarterback in favor of of Tannehill because you know that's the that's the trick with a lot of these teams. Where man, do we? Is what we're seeing true, or is it a mirage? You know, can he keep this up? Do we, you know, gamble in, in hopes that he keeps this up? Or because we saw the Jets do this with Ryan Fitzpatrick, they had a nice little spark with Fitzpatrick, or the Bills did it. I'm sorry, because Ryan Fitzpatrick essentially looked way better than Trent Edwards, and so by him by default, you like, man, Ryan Fitzpatrick's good. This guy is terrible, but really, he was the best of the worst. And so you saw that in New York. They jettisoned Geno Smith way too early because he was a young guy, in my opinion, for Ryan Fitzpatrick, and then they got stuck with him. So do you see this as a potential uh, mirage or something that they can trust? Because it looks really good right now, and things seem to be clicking for Tannehill. I think the biggest thing with any position in professional sports is that you have to have – competition to keep the comp- the position thriving so i think if you're tennessee i think i don't think you take a quarterback in the first round necessarily i think you maybe take one on the second day take one in the second and third round we use the draft pick on a quarterback so we expect him to do something hey Tannehill, you're not completely safe yet you know we trust you you've done well for us right now but hey there's this kid back here who we took in the second round He's pretty darn good, so you might want to keep an eye on yourself. You know, that sort of thing. And another name I want to throw into this discussion just quickly, you talk about franchise quarterbacks that aren't anymore or maybe they're starting to come back, is RG3. Randomly in Baltimore, just sitting there now as a running pack, just kind of like he's fallen off the face of the earth, sadly, as a quarterback, but he's found his spot in Baltimore. And he's healthy. That's been his biggest issue since Washington. But why is he healthy? Because he's not getting any burn. That's Bingo. The, that's he might come thing. in for a quarter and a half every three weeks. That's what I'm saying. So, like, with a guy like that, do you trust? You know, um, right? Because you, you know, clearly he's talented. Clearly he's young, but the injury risk you worry about him, and that injury risk is why I be trying to tell people, you know, be careful about this Tua Tango Aloha thing, because this dude has three consecutive injuries like where he has had surgery and the last being a damn hip like yeah. and people say oh yeah take him number one take you could take him at three like bro he, he is hipless right now like he is literally getting pushed around on the cart <laughs> what are you talking yeah. about like, it's <laughs> like so um when you look at the the you know we talked about backups we talked about first year starters these young guys these rookies but there are some guys right now that the, the league is seeing a, a revolution of these young guns. It's almost like the changing of the guard. We see this a lot. We saw it when uh, the Marino, Jim Kelly, Joe Montana class moved on, and then you start to get the Breeze, the uh, Paytons, the Trent Greens was was a really good quarterback, the Tom Brady's. And now, you know, you look at we're at that point again. It's a new class. So when you talk about the young guns, I, I, I would throw in 
Deshaun Watson as a young gun. Uh, Pat Mahomes, obviously, is the epitome of a young gun with a cannon. I would also throw Dak Prescott in there. And these are guys that are constantly getting better. All right, we haven't seen regression statistically or in their play uh, from these guys. Their teams are consistently winning. They're either in the playoffs or uh, they're putting up really good numbers. So the young guns, those three, Watson, Mahomes, and Dak, do you agree? And we got another group that we could also throw in there. We'll, we'll address that. Now, first of all, do you guys agree with these three being clear young guns? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I mean, all of them. All of them can sling the rock. All of them can can win you games. They command the offense. They command. They command respect. At the end of the day, I think you got to throw Lamar Jackson in there as well. As much as he's probably in another couple categories in terms of his hierarchy, this is still his first full season as a starter. So at this point, he is still an up and coming quarterback. He is outstanding at everything that he does. He's very much doing what Mahomes did last year as well. If you think about it, Mahomes came in last year and just tore up the scene. Wow, look at this kid. Look what he can do. And Mahomes is still growing. As you said, you haven't seen the regression from him. With Lamar Jackson, it's still, you know, he's blowing everything out of the water that we thought a quarterback should be doing. And he's doing it beautifully. He's doing it tremendously. But he's still in his first year as a full-time starter. So that's why I would put him just in that category and maybe into another one. Well, I mean, the, the only other category is the 2018 class as a group. But since you brought up Jackson... Out the 2018 class, Jackson, to me, would be, to echo Dave's point, would be in that Young Guns category. Who else out that class would you throw in the mix? I don't think anyone yet. Not, I mean, if, yeah. if, if there is one that you have to put in there, it would have to be Josh Allen right now. No? I mean, yeah. he yeah. The, 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 the progression from last season to this season is enormous. I mean, last season you saw him, the, the wor- one of the worst completion percentages in the league. He was very meh. Yeah, he was very meh. I mean, this season his last season his completion percentage was like fifty three point something. Right. This, this season it was like jumped, Wyoming. <laughs> this season it's jumped up to sixty one. Um, he's not losing them games. What he's doing with his legs, I don't want to say it's Lamar Jackson esque, but he's controlling the game sort of like Lamar Jackson with yeah. his legs. If there's a, a first that has to get that they have to get he'll he'll run the ball and he's not gonna just go down he's gonna try to run through you as well so if we're talking young guns with progression i i would throw allen in there yeah you can't really i mean i said this i tweeted this out on thanksgiving you know allen completely controlled that cowboys defense i don't think i saw the cowboys truly get a stop on third down and get off the field it was either allen maybe had an incomplete pass or a run got stopped short but it wasn't something that Dallas themselves forced I felt like and so Allen is doing a great job of controlling the game like you talked about you know I guess you can probably put Mayfield over Darnold in that mix I was about to say I don't think you can put either one the odd thing about this is the only guys you can put into this from that first round class Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson because really Baker Mayfield has been up and down. Granted, he's had a lot of injuries around him, which doesn't help. Sam Darnold is part of the Jets franchise. That means he's doomed to fail. Uh, Josh Rosen, completely irrelevant. You throw him completely out of the door, and then you've got you're left with the other two that are probably in that young guns category. I don't. I think you gotta. I don't think you can put them in there right just now. I, I don't. I don't put Josh Allen though in yet, and actually, I don't put in Lamar Jackson yet because I want to see more consistency. I think Lamar Jackson is closer. And I think Lamar Jackson finishes off a playoff run here and really shows what he, he's doing. What he's doing yes. now in this in the postseason and proves it, then it's definite. But Josh Allen, I don't want to be prisoner of the moment. He's playing with one of the top five defenses in the league. He's playing with and, and offensively, they aren't surrounded by tremendous amount of skill so i'm not saying like he's got two number he's got ones frank he's got gore. this he's you know, got he's frank, frank gore in the back. age 36 he's got a third know, leading russian nfl history <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but my point is is that i don't want to be prison because i want to see what josh allen does now yes it was one time on the big stage against dallas where he he did his thing and he was part of the reason he was probably 75 percent of the reason why they won that game any other quarterback probably it's a closer or they lose um, but I want to see it more it's got to be consistent and with those three young guns you have now they've shown consistency for more than a year and when they're on the field you know that these guys are going to handle their business right now Josh Allen has it all but you got to see it consistently for me to be like okay he's a young gun well here's the thing too because you talk about those guys from the 2018 uh, class being you know right outside the door but there's a, a pack of quarterbacks 
that you know you they're young enough to be in the conversation, but they're right outside the door. So we'll you know we'll call this the quarterback waiting room. You know the young gun waiting room, right? <laughs> okay. So and there's a a good crop here that that's young enough to get in there and possibly be considered a young gun. Um, Kirk Cousins, you putting them in or no? I mean, he's not very young. He's getting older now. Twenty nine or right? I put him 20. in QB purgatory. I think. I, I you leave him in the you leave him in the waiting room. I'm leaving him in the waiting room. Gotta, gotta leave him in the waiting room. I don't. I don't think I am. Uh, he's gotten better every single year. It was very very steady progression every year, and it was to the point where it was like it's very right, slow. This is it. But this year, <laughs> this year he's really stepped up. I watched that game yesterday. He's not the reason why they lost that game. He's 31, by the way. Yeah, he's not a young gun anymore. Well, there's another 31-year-old <laughs> that people <laughs> love to like t- discuss, and it's a legitimate discussion. Matt Stafford. Do you put Stafford in the young gun category? He's a gunslinger. That's he's a, he's he established, though. I think Stafford's he's not a young gun up and coming. I think he's been established. He's been injury prone, but he's an established quarterback. Well, here's the thing about Stafford, and it's interesting because, and I know people, the QB wins crowd is gonna, you know. The QB wins, you can't. You, but great quarterbacks seem to be on the plus side of a lot of these these victories, don't they? You don't right. name a, yeah. a great quarterback that has a losing record. Eli Manning. <laughs> That's a whole other discussion. Hold on. <laughs> but because right now Stafford is sixty nine, seventy nine, and one as a starter. Yeah, but when he was when he remember was some of those teams he was career, with. Yeah. He took over the zero and sixteen Lions team. That's that's the one thing that that's he, a huge he, knock. The it early took a while. part, the fact that the Lions have become relevant again during his time since he took over as the starter, I think is a point to him as establishing himself and being a consistent player. I mean, his talent has gone to waste in Detroit. Yes, with the the lack of a run game for years and years, uh, the lack of a solid defense for years and years. They've They've wasted Stafford's career. Yeah. Another, mean, so you don't put him in. I think he's a, I think he's more established than a young gun. So you put him in the Agreed. category of solid. He's tier B if Rodgers is tier A. Because that's what I was, we're talking about. Yeah. We're, we'll yeah. bring yeah. up the we'll bring up the you know the the good quarterback the the prime tier. Yeah, we'll bring up that. Right. So going back to that quarterback waiting room. So you you guys are putting Stafford in that. Outside of this waiting room, in outside. another he's category, al- he's already gone through the he's gone through the procedure. He's moved on to the he's in the, he's in rehab. David Carr, Derek Carr, whoever wh- the the car that's starting for the Raiders, <laughs> that car. <laughs> I always <laughs> both of them. He's scary, <laughs> man. He he's real scary because yeah. I mean, what was his, his second year in the league? They made it to the AFC Championship, and since then he really hasn't. So did Mark he's, Sanchez. He's been a game manager since then, pretty much. It doesn't seem that he's gonna win multiple games for you, but. It doesn't seem like he's always the reason that they're losing. He just—he's a—he's a game manager at the end of the day. I can't—I can't put him in the young gun category. In the end, he's what Dave said before. He's meh. That's that's what Derek Carr is. Yeah. He's a very meh. I think I think all right. If there's tier A and tier B, he's tier C. <laughs> you know, like, but I, mean, I think I think he's reached his ceiling, and I don't think he's. You don't look at Derek Carr and go, he's going to get better, and he's going to. You know, come out and be a guy who's a top five passer in this league. And at this point, if he's not going to be that guy, then he had his run where he caught everyone off guard, I guess, and that's it. I mean, he had one good year with Cooper there, and we we see what Cooper can be in Dallas. And for about two years, he was irrelevant. Yeah, yeah. with with Carr. Carr or Stafford? Stafford. Stafford. You guys, okay. Yeah. All right, now, these next two names, I'm going to lump them together because they came in the same class. And these are interesting. These are, you know, hot rod topics, like hot button topics. Jared Goff yep. and Carson Wentz. Yeah. I was about to say, you better step out of the room for this one. <laughs> well, it's just it's interesting because this 2016 class, we were talking about one young gun in there, and that's Dak Prescott, who was taken in the fourth round. And we're, we, we're going to talk about another guy from that 2016 class, Who's the, who is in our jury seal out section um, that at you know earlier in the season was playing better than either golf or Wentz, you know both golf and golf and Wentz. So golf and Wentz, do do we put them in the young guns category? That's a tough one because I mean 
I would like to say that you got to leave him in the jury still out because golf is another scary one. I mean, there's games that he'll come up, pop on the scene with like three or four touchdowns, and then there's multiple games that he'll lose for you. And with the talent that he has in that offense, there is no reason for him not to have at least 250 yards passing and at least one touchdown each game. But I think in two games this season, he was held under like a buck 30 passing. And when you got Woods, yeah. Cooks, Cup, Everett, Higby, and Gurley in the backfield, like, come on. I would serious? rather, yeah, I would rather take Wentz, I think, I'd over take golf. Wentz as well. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I if was, Wentz had Wentz. those weapons, Wentz would be in the MVP conversation. Wentz, Wentz is just a winner. He did it at North Dakota State. He's done it for the most part, since he's come to Philadelphia, he just flat out wins games. Wait, 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 wait. For the most part in Philadelphia is what I just Time said. Time out. Because well, that's that's a myth. His rookie year, they were 7-9. and nine. Rookie year, chalk it up, right? All right. The year that everyone loves to talk about and exclude all the other years, 2017, was 11-3, I believe, or 11-2. Right. That's fantastic. Last year, before they put him on IR, 5-6. and six. This year... Five and seven. So let's. So after an, a major injury, you expect a quarterback to be exactly the same. How about three of the four years he started, he's been a loser. Let me You're never going to be invited back to, to when, Fargo, uh, man. How many, <laughs> how many games did their DBs start? Because I know there was a stretch of the games last season. How many passes? Where actually, they their DBs played well <laughs> last year. Down the stretch? Down the stretch, yeah. Th those. You mean like the third and fourth teams? Yeah, they that started because the everybody thought that they had the draft <laughs> of a cornerback in the first round in the 2019 draft. Their cornerbacks started to play really well down the stretch because they finally were the backups were playing together consistently. So as a group, they got better. The offense is what changed once Foles came in. Um, but Wentz, right now, to his credit, it's consistent. You know, the interceptions have stayed at seven because uh, I think he has seven now and 20-plus touchdowns. So he's been a good, you know, he, ha he always has a two-to-one touchdown-interception ratio, so he's protecting the ball in that sense. But those fumbles or when the interceptions happen is what usually kills a game or a, dry, a key drive for Philadelphia. So I, I don't – I wouldn't to, – to you know, not to cut you off, but I just thought that that winner comment was – faulty because it's been like three losing seasons now, now, around the one let, let me an, let me answer this I'll, I'll let alex get in there because i know he's got a point would you categorize in terms of perception Wentz in the same category as eli manning where he's not the one to blame because if you look at philadelphia eagles twitter oh the wide receivers are dropping passes everybody is a problem in philadelphia outside of carson Wentz. when that happens that tells you who's the main problem in Philadelphia, it's the common. So you're saying that he he's in a similar situation to where Eli Manning was last year. No, Eli Manning year. was legitimately a problem out there. There were some you see, it but this most year. Giants fans did not blame Eli Manning. Right, they and blamed the O line. Exactly, and but you see the difference with even though the record is is terrible, but you see the difference with Daniel Jones in there being able to hit deep balls accurately. So I, I think people. People are so protective of Wentz because they don't want to feel like they were wrong about him, his evaluation, that they're, you know, it's every every quarterback deals with drops. Matter of fact, I'm glad they showed this on Thanksgiving Day. The Cowboys lead the late, they lead the uh, league in drop passes. But Eagles Twitter will lead you to believe no receiver can catch the ball in Philadelphia. Yeah, my whole point uh, with Wentz, I think Wentz is a better – is back to the original point was is the better option over Jared Goff and I think in that class they literally went backwards on in the end you know oh, what yeah. we're looking at um but to the point with Wentz is that he doesn't have stability he's constantly dealing with injuries he's constantly I mean when you're relying on Jeffrey to play 16 games that's just a joke at this point you reply <laughs> when you have to rely on Nelson Aguilar who wouldn't be on a lot of teams that's a problem I mean I mean and the offensive line's taking a beating and to, to his point what run game does he really have Miles Sanders finally showing a little bit of something this year as a rookie but before that they were they, even the year they went to the Super Bowl. They were they had to grab Jay Jai at some point. You know they they had they tried the Ryan Matthews <laughs> experiment. They tried, I mean I can name Smallwood, Sproles. Uh, there's probably five other names that I'm missing. I mean they don't they just don't have the stability. It seems like and the one year that they had stability, even though they had a lot of injuries, but there was still there was depth there. They had the Trey Burton step up when needed and, and earn himself a paycheck. You had some of these guys. Was that year that he went 11 and two, um, and 
was that a mirage of what he really is? Probably. He's probably a winning quarterback, but the problem is, is that there's not enough stability there to see it. The problem we see with golf is that outside of Cooks, the whole team is there. <laughs> Everything. Yeah. McVay's there. Everybody's there. Gurley was not himself in the first half of the season, but if you're getting paid that money, you're getting paid that money to step up when needed and to make those plays. I think Wentz has been able to step up and keep his team relevant, but golf has not been able to do that. Yeah, I would still take uh, uh, Wentz over golf at this point. Um, but Wentz also has to do a better job of throwing to someone other than tight ends. I feel like every pass yeah. play is as soon as he catch, set up, six-yard stop route to the tight end. It's Goddard or Ertz, right? They're supposed to be your check downs. They're right. like the prime. The primary, yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah. I don't think he trusts anybody else, honestly. I mean, yeah. how many times does Aguilar let him down? Jeffrey, when healthy, he does drop balls. He cost him the playoff game last season. I mean, his, his the people that he trusts most is, is Ertz, and Goddard is gaining his trust more and more. And those those two are probably two of the best players on their offense. The, the reason why you have to be a young gun or a great example of a young gun, you go back to that uh, Sunday night game between the Texans and the Patriots. The play before the deep shot touchdown to, I guess it was, uh, still, still, still the play before he went to Fuller. He went to Fuller and Fuller dropped it. Yeah. Watson still, like, you know, we're going to do the same thing again and go right back to that corner and yeah. throw it again deep down the field. You never see that type of aggressiveness, in my opinion, from Wentz. Um, Jimmy G, <laughs> are, we putting him in the, are we putting him in the young guns? Nope. There are certain weeks where you could put him in, certain weeks yeah. where you just like, There's two know. weeks. Two weeks you could have put him in. <laughs> and both of those weeks were against the Cardinals. That's true. <laughs> See, Jimmy Garoppolo, <laughs> it's really, it's a weird one for me because you, you, <laughs> success has shown in New England that you don't have to be an elite quarterback to get, be a successful one. I mean, he's I just, mean, that's the thing. Like, Tom Brady is great because of the game plan around him, but when have you seen him consistently throw balls beyond 15 yards? That may be true, but those balls aren't going beyond 15 yards, but he's he's constantly – his completion percentage is up there. Right. His, his football IQ is unmatched in this league. and His IQ or Belichick's IQ? His IQ. He's the one who's on There will the be no Tom Brady slander on this podcast, man. Oh, I'll be, I have plenty of Tom, Tom Brady, Brady runs that offense right. on Tom the field. Tom Brady is great for, for – if it's not for Bill Belichick, Tom Brady, you don't know who he is. Uh, I, I'm not. I'm not saying that's 100% false. But what I'm saying is, Tom Brady has ran some of the greatest offenses that we've seen in NFL history. So when he's on that field, he's in command of that offense. McDaniel's is like a. He's like a. a who cares about? Are you Daniels? okay, Tom? In his ear. <laughs> are you okay, Tom? Everything all right? Yeah, I'm good. Tom goes back to work. Do not compare Jimmy G to Tom Brady. I'm saying the situations are similar. I'm not saying the skill set is similar. I'm not saying that. They've gone through three different type offenses. First of all, the first, let's say the first five years of Tom Brady's career, they were essentially fullback, Mm -hmm. tight end, eye formation, run the football, hit play action, check downs. Then the air raid error with Randy Moss and those bunch of receivers where they were just spreading out going up tempo. And now, no, after the air raid error, they go to the two tight end era tight ends, yeah. with Hernandez and Gronk, and now they're back in the fullback era. <laughs> like they played in four different offenses uh, in since 2001. This dude's been playing since I was in college. That's well, crazy. Back to the Jimmy G. What is he doing that's so special? In my eyes, absolutely nothing. This is this he's is managing the, makeup, the game. This is the he's makeup. Winning games. This is the makeup of what Sanchez did in 09 and 2010. He's a whole lot better than Mark Sanchez. He's doing enough. So that the running game can ex- exceed, which it is. They have one of the best running right. games this season, and that defense is balling out. Right. So I'm right not- now, I can't. I can't say that he is a young gun or anything more than a, a good quarterback. But in terms of him running an offense, if you have that solid running game, why the hell would you want to throw forty times a game? You've got a Nobody's solid running game. Him to throw forty times a game, but if he throw, if he's throwing twenty five or twenty six times a game, he's still not showing me enough to be able to put him in this category. Before we get to my point, I will have you know that there will also be no Mark Sanchez slander on this podcast. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> we can slander him as much as we want to on this podcast. Come on now. Um, in my opinion, Jimmy G kind of – he has that Kirk Cousins feel to me right now. Agree. Where you're like – I mean, Kirk Cousins, I feel like this year has blossomed and has shut me up a bunch. You yes. know, And to the point where it's like, if this is the consistent Kirk Cousins, then yes, we have – 
an elite quarterback on our a potential elite quarterback in our hands. Jimmy G is like two years before that. He's like the okay, okay, all right. When you have to win a game and you do it against a legit competition on prime time or whatnot, okay, fine. But until then, he's a solid quarterback on the way up. And like you said, he's a game manager, but game managers aren't young guns in my opinion. I will put out you know what, I'm gonna defend Jimmy G here. I'll put him in what? a young guns category. Uh, <laughs> the man's been trashing him all year. All year. Because think about it. Week the, thirteen, huh? The one <laughs> thing that we, we always talked about Jimmy G is can he stay healthy? And he's yeah. been healthy this year. Yeah, true. And when he starts, they tend to win. Like everywhere he's been at from New England to his three years in San Francisco. Now last year he was off to a bad start before he got hurt but this year I mean efficiency is king Um, I would trust Jimmy G over Kirk Cousins Jimmy G is younger Uh, he's 28. He does better in prime time (laughs) Right So you're saying saying like right now pick a random playoff team you need a quarterback. You're going Jimmy G over. I Kirk? am absolutely going Jimmy G over okay. Kirk. All right. I, I will definitely. I would ride that train and go with Jimmy G. Um, all right. Let, we, we talked about the the quarterback, and we understand the prime is is Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers. They're great. They're the standard. They're the Brady's, the Breeze of this era. They are the standard right now. Absolutely. Right. So that so that's why we didn't talk exclusively about them. But there's a pack of guys right now that the jury's still out on. And, you know, we don't know if they're considered bad or good or, or whatnot, but you got Jameis Winston, Andy Dalton, Trubisky, Marcus Mariota, Nick Foles. Where are we on these guys? I mean, I, th- I think Trubisky's got to go. He's got to be out of there, doesn't he? I mean, he's brutal. Uh, I think there's one quarterback out of that bunch that should be a legit starting quarterback in this league, and... It pains me to say this. It oh. really does. I've been oh, killing no. them. Oh, killing oh them no. Nonstop. <laughs> no. This is recorded, man. Killing them nonstop. But it's Jameis. I mean, <laughs> seeing what he's done this season, seeing what he's done for the past few seasons, he's a turnover monster. He is. But like like we said last week or the week before, you got to take the good with the bad. You got to take the lumps, even though you know that you're, you're, you're going to be turning the ball over, but you're still going to be in the game down the stretch, if not winning it. I mean, he'll get you two or three turnovers a game probably, but he's also going to throw for three, 350, 400 with <laughs> yeah. like three touchdowns, four touchdowns. He's Daniel Jones with actual passing ability. <laughs> oh, word. <laughs> <laughs> I, w- I would say, yeah, Winston and – you know – Winston and Mariota are still young enough to where they could be salvageable, I believe. Trubisky can be salvageable, but I think he's more along the lines of a good spot starter. Like He's a, a, he's a good cute, number two. Yeah, he's a good number two. Um, I am shocked that on Dwayne Wade's internet that people continue to slander Andy Dalton. <laughs> Andy Dalton <laughs> and Matt Stafford are the same guy yeah, to me. I- no, I, I, I think wow. so. Stafford just has a stronger arm. I think Andy Dalton's the only starting caliber quarterback out of that uh, that whole group. I honestly think we got a bunch of number twos and a bunch of guys that don't belong in the NFL anymore. <laughs> I don't think Dalton should be in the NFL. You don't Dal- Dalton should be in the NFL? Uh, I'm sorry, he, shouldn't, he shouldn't be a, be a starting quarterback. He shouldn't be a starter. No. <laughs> you would you take Dalton? You so you'll take Stafford over Dalton? Yes, hands down. One hundred percent. I would take. Yeah, I would take Stafford over Dalton, but I think they're like you said. I think they're. Like, they're one and the same. They're close. It's like A B. You know, if right you give Stafford Dalton, if you give Stafford uh, Dalton's talent that he's had with him, I think Stafford goes to the quarter uh, to the playoffs and has success. I think Dal- of that group that you mentioned, that five, I'd take Dalton if I have to win one game, just because Jameis Winston, I think, would throw, have too many turnovers. If I had to have that's, one game, I'd go Dalton. That's my problem too. Is that I can't trust. I can't have a quarterback, a starting quarterback. I don't care about the numbers he put up. If you're going to turn the, if you're guaranteed two, two turnovers in a game, that's too too many that you're guaranteeing. Me. That's that's trust issue. Winston, though, again, you can't. It's something about Winston that you you know you watch him, you just shake your head. You can see why coaches like Winston because, right. you know, you just like man, this dude, he'd be out there leading. It's right. like you just kind of <laughs> stop turning the ball over. But Mariota is just <laughs> like between Mariota and and. <laughs> I would take Mariota over Trubisky. Same, um, same. I guess we're all out on Nick Foles then, right? I, I don't want to say that because he is coming back from an injury, <laughs> which I didn't think he was gonna come back from this year. Right. And he, he won and a he Super looked, Bowl. And he, <laughs> I think I think he's I think he's right. a number two, definitely. And I I would have liked to see this was the year I wanted to see him like <laughs> right. healthy to be like, okay, this is Nick Foles, but like I just I'm between not being that great to begin with and then just to deal with the injury, it's just been a bad year. Foles, right. 
Moses is like that one person that you run into at the gym that constantly talks to you. Occasionally, it's a good convo and you're into it. Occasionally, it's like, when are you, when are you going to leave me alone? It's like he just keeps popping up time after time in different teams. And it's each time, it's which, which foes are you going to get? And one more guy to throw in there uh, because we didn't talk about him at all, Jacoby Brissett. You know, where are we on Jacoby Brissett? I like Brissett. I buy um, Brissett as a starter. Yeah, I buy Brissett as a starter. Stay healthy. Stay healthy. That's my biggest thing with him. I mean, if he's healthy, he's up there with some of the good quarterbacks in this league. A solid tier B. If we're talking ABC, he's tier B. Healthy. I think, Is he healthy? I think personally, I think that in that group, I think him and Dalton are, in my opinion, are like kind of there right now. I, I have a little bit more in Brissett because he's, he's younger and he hasn't played as much, so I want to mm-hmm. see more tape. But I think they're like... They're like similar. Where I, I would, if I needed them to start, I, I wouldn't hate it. Now, are you high on Dalton because of what he, he did to the Jets this weekend? Listen, I, I, thought, I think Listen. there's another reason for that. Listen. First of all, the Redheads, borderline racist. And second of all, <laughs> second of all, second of all, um, no, I, I just think he saw 198 uh, uh, career touchdowns with the Bengals in not that many years. He's already the leader of that franchise. You're right, dude. and he's been in the playoffs. The Bengals been in the playoffs right Somehow. years ago. What? Yeah, or 2000? What? Uh, 16 or 15? 15. 15. And the, the the sad part is. The year he was playing great, his best football, as they were going to the playoffs, he gets hurt, mm-hmm. and you know, and that, that that was the twenty McCarron, right? Yeah, yeah, that was the McCarron year. So, and they had some amazing defenses. They did, and they have. They've always had amazing talent. They've always had a good running back. They've always had good perimeter options. So, it's been interesting to see. I, I, I am, I am a Dalton defender. I like Andy Dalton. Um, and before we wrap this whole quarterback discussion up, we always got to talk about the guys that are now going to be transitioning out. Which guy do you think has? left in the tank uh, anything left in the tank we know you don't think Tom Brady is is I did not say Tom Brady was done I said that he's getting he gets more credit than what Belichick should be getting I said so we're going to add Tom Brady in this in this discussion along with Philip Rivers Big Ben Breeze and Pate Manning I mean not Eli Manning I mean Drew Breeze is a is a tank yes Drew Breeze is he could I think he can go another four or five years minimum he probably can't. His arm can't. Yeah. That's the question mark. Because we you people forget that he was he played somewhere else before the Saints. People forget about that. that he had oh, don't don't eight. don't let those since two thousand six Saints fans tell you any different. <laughs> he they almost, drafted Drew Brees according to these since two thousand six Saints fans. Of course, he, of course they, I, I apologize. Of course they did. But he almost had a career ending injury before he even yeah. got a chance to do anything. Shout out to Dante Culpepper. So I think he's got four or five years. Whether his arm can hold up, that's a question mark. I think Brady goes for another two, maybe three. Um, but he's he's slowing yeah, Brady's down. Brady's arm is kind of like he's slowing kind of down a bit too. Um, Rivers, I think, is done. Rob, think Rivers is done. I think Eli is done. I think Roethlisberger. I mean, the guy's just 300 pounds of ground beef at this point. He just takes a hit and he does bounce right. back. That's a great description of Ben Roethlisberger. <laughs> That's about right. Heard, It'll I, be interesting to yeah. see how he comes back next week, uh, next year after that uh, that injury that he sustained. That's the biggest. He got hurt just throwing the ball. Yeah, yeah. Like, that is I, that I, is the sign of old age. I, I, th- I think they're all oh, done. I think they're all, I think they're all done. Ben, from a health standpoint. Phil Rivers from a decision-making standpoint, he looks like he's gone a little senile. And then you got, I think, I honestly think, like twenty-five quarterbacks could quarterback this Patriots team better than Tom Brady right wow. now. Wow, there's the shot across the bow. And that's not, and, and, and the reason why I'm saying this is because I don't think he can make those throws. Where in the past, where he made guys, most recently, guys like Chris Hogan relevant. In the past, where he's made players relevant, guys, no names that did nothing elsewhere, and then came to New England and were stars. He's not doing that with Jacoby Myers. He's not doing that with these other names. And, and it's just, unless they're beating up on a team, the defense give them situations. They're playing. You know the one thing. The one thing I will defend Brady with on this Patriots team is that this is the one year that during the season we've seen fluidity with his weapons. Because obviously every year the Patriots will bring in two or three no-name guys like Chris Hogan. Nobody really knew who Amendola was before he came to New England. He wasn't. He was on the Rams. But he wasn't. He wasn't a superstar on the Rams, though. You know what I mean? He became one. But he had those consistent targets for almost all the year. You saw that with Gronk. Yes, Gronk came in and was injured a lot of the time, but he always had Gronk. Before that, it was Hernandez. We have, you know, we have to bring him up as well. This year, he's had, you know, these targets are in there for four or five weeks, and then they're gone. And there's two new guys coming in. They bring in Sanu, and he's there for a couple weeks now, and then it's moving on. That's that's the biggest thing with him. If he gets his guys in the preseason, and that's his set, he's amazing. 
with the fluidity, it's still not there. Amongst these quarterbacks that we're talking about, I mean, we got Rivers, who he might be out at the end of the season. Eli, who he is going to be out at the end of the season, probably going to retire a giant. Roethlisberger, he's definitely going to be back next year for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Brady, Kraft is going to leave it up to him, whatever he wants to do at the end of the day. Yeah. Breeze is the most interesting to me because they have Teddy Bridgewater signed. They're going to have to do something here. Are they going to push Breeze out at the end of the season so that the Bridgewater era can start? Or are they pretty much going to... When Bridgewater signed his contract, was that a one or two year? It was a one year. It was a one year, right? Right. Yeah. So I don't know if Bridgewater is going to sit there and sign another one year if Breeze decides to come back. Here's what I think. I think think Breeze, had that whole play not have happened in in the NFC Championship game against the Rams, I think he would retire. I think he wants to retire out like John Elway. So if they win the Super Bowl this year, he's done. If they don't, he's going to play that same game. He's played with the Saints organization. I probably could do it. And the Saints will stupidly sign him to another two-year, $50 million contract. <laughs> it's yeah. it's the hardest thing to do in sports to give up on a guy like Drew Brees right. who meant so much to your, to your franchise. But the right move is when he's done this year, he's he's done. It's and, hard to and, give up on a legend. That's, I know. and that's But that's why the soulless man up there in New England is able to get away <laughs> with that and to, and to reload. I mean, you, 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 that's, that's what makes it, that's what makes it possible. You know, that's what you have to do. I'm sorry. That's what it's hard to say. I mean, it's easy to say for a Jeff fan. We don't have a lot of fan, uh, legends. So yeah, yeah that, I mean, this whole discussion has been actually really, really good. In fact, we've, just hit the hour mark perfect in this podcast so let's go with rapid fire around the table as we get into week 14 here that was a good discussion it was a great discussion um but look at what like 40 quarterbacks (laughs) exactly (laughs) so let's start with Emory. the first game the thursday night game this is now a critical one cowboys and bears now the cowboys are winless against teams that are above 500 they've only lost one game against a team that's below 500 what do they do with the team at 500 in Chicago. But what do they do with a team that has Mr. Trubisky at quarterback? That's, <laughs> That's the question. The so this will be interesting for the Cowboys. I think they're playing for their season in this one. Let's move on to the Sunday games here. Panthers taking on the Falcons. Really, both teams are kind of out of it at this point. I mean, great divisional game here. The Falcons have won a couple of good division games in the previous couple of weeks, one against the Panthers, and then they dropped one against the Saints last week. What can they do in this one? More must-watch TV in Orchard Park, New York. Ravens taking on Buffalo. This might be the game of the week. Absolutely. I think this game should be flexed this Sunday. I don't care what it is. These are the two hottest teams in the AFC right now, and two quarterbacks that are very similar in nature as far as their play style, um, and with two with a defense now in the Ravens that's really stepped up and the top defense in the Bills. This is an interesting one. Bengals coming off their first win against the Cleveland Browns, and there's some some trash talking continuing from Pittsburgh Steelers corner Stephen Nelson talking about OBJ and Jarvis Landry. They're just like any other receivers. I don't know where their hype comes from. Will they going to just get to show it off in Cincinnati? I don't know, man. Cincinnati got Andy Dalton at quarterback. You know, <laughs> Can he so play cornerback too? Talk about Can Andy he play Dalton. corner too? You just can't go into an Andy Dalton-led football team and get a win. So it'll be interesting to see how they build uh, moving forward because, again, you don't want to say a team is tanking. Love the fact that they went back to Dalton. Dalton answered the call and balled out against the Jets. Going up to Lambeau Field, the Packers, 9-3. and three. They look solid once again. The Redskins, though, are showing a little bit of promise. Dwayne Haskins looking for his third win. Yeah, I mean, the Redskins coming off two straight victories, but in this one, Dwayne Haskins bring his notepad and take notes from the legend in Aaron Rodgers. Moving on to Houston Energy Stadium, the Texans taking on the Broncos. Texans will be riding high after beating New England last week. The Broncos now 4-8, and eight, but maybe a quarterback change is all they needed trap game alert right here uh this is this is a game for the texans where they need to show consistency we've seen them play really well against some good teams this year and then bounce back and play mediocre to below average football against some of these below average teams this is a game where you need to establish who you are right now up to the frozen north minneapolis vikings taking on the lions lions shouldn't pose too much of a problem but the vikings do need to make sure they don't sleep on this team it'll be interesting to see which quarterback gets to start is it going to be driscoll with his hamstring or Blau, and if Blau can stack back-to-back good performances, Detroit may have something. Interesting one in the Superdome. Two teams at 10-2, and two, Niners and Saints. Now we get to put that to the test. Is Jimmy G just a game manager, or is he not taking on Drew Brees in New Orleans? This is the game that should have been flexed. Game of the week, in my opinion. The question is, what is that Niners defense going to do with Brees' arm? 
yeah, exactly. On to MetLife Stadium. Misery loves company. The Jets taking on the Dolphins. Oh, boy, this is just for draft pick position, isn't it? <laughs> and I'm sure the Jets will find a way to win. <laughs> um, oh, but, yeah, this is a game where the Jets, I mean, Adam Gase, your second time around going against your former team, you lost in embarrassing fashion the first time. You're home now. Huge one for sure. On to Raymond James Stadium. Buccaneers taking on the Colts. Colts have flatlined a little bit the last couple weeks. They're kind of petering off a little bit. Tampa Bay, Jameis Winston, does he have any turnovers for this week? Listen, quietly the Bucks are 5-7. and seven. Quietly. And so they can even their record with the Indianapolis Colts if they get a win. I think this one, for sheer entertainment factor, will be probably one of the better games to watch. Next one up, the Jaguars taking on the Chargers. Troy, I'm not even going to ask you what to look for in this game. <laughs> I want a prediction of how the Chargers are going to lose. Yeah, how are they going to lose? That's the question. <laughs> I'm going to say Minshew to Westbrook with two minutes left. I'm going to say safe falls on Wiley Coyote, who's playing corner for the Chargers, <laughs> leading to a touchdown over the top. Change that to Conley. <laughs> Minshew to Conley. <laughs> Minshew to Tom- Conley. Okay, fair enough. Pittsburgh Steelers, they keep finding ways to win, this time with Devlin Hodges. They take on Kyler Murray and the Cardinals back up a battle of rookie quarterbacks here. This is a Cardinals defense that got, just got torched by Jared Goff after struggling for so long. This is a chance for Devlin Hodges to put some numbers behind those wins. Next up, the Chiefs travel up north to New England. It's going to be cold up there, but a chance maybe for some sweet revenge for Kansas City. One is luck. Two is a coincidence. Three could be a trend. If they find a way to lose to Kansas City, there's a unique trend going on to the teams that the Patriots can't beat. The Patriots might be in second place in the division not too far down the line. That is interesting. That's a good point. That's going to be really interesting. Next up, the Titans taking on the Raiders. Tennessee all of a sudden is a playoff team. Raiders are starting to slip. These are two teams playing right now for that wild card spot, and this matchup could be important in that. I look for the run game heavy from both sides. Moving into Sunday night at the Coliseum, this is the game a lot of people thought might decide this division. Seahawks taking on the Rams in Week 14. Really, this is a chance for the Rams to stay relevant and for the Seahawks to take control. Yeah, this is a big game for the Rams as far as keeping yourselves in contention. The NFC is very tough this year. You lose this game, you're pretty much done. And into Monday night. One of the hardest-hitting rivalries in all of NFL history at the Lincoln Financial Field. Giants taking on the Eagles. Eagles, if we know anything about the trend, they will have a chance to take first place in this division if Dallas loses to Chicago, but the Giants still have to play them twice. They can be real spoilers down the stretch. And this is a big game for Pat Shermer, and I think if he can pull off an upset, it helps stabilize his position as a coach for 2020 uh, for the Giants. So look for them to come out inspired, but this is also a big game for Doug Peterson as well. It's a shame because this guy won a Super Bowl two years ago and they're already calling for his job. So a big game for both coaches more so than anybody else on the football field. Welcome to Philadelphia. That'll do it, folks, for the NFL All-32 Podcast, the Week 14 Preview. You can listen back on this podcast or any of our football game plan podcasts on SoundCloud or iTunes. Just subscribe to Football Game Plan in the podcast section. For Alex Marinoni, Troy Anthony, the czar of the Playbook, Emory Hunt, I'm David Hassagan. Thanks for listening in.